The floor wasn't the most comfortable place for James to sit, but his hips and back were sore. Every joint was aching to some level, making it too painful to try and stand. The bed would have been far more comfortable, but James didn't remember choosing the floor right beside his bed instead of on it. He just remembers standing in the kitchen and looking out the window at the snow. He was looking at the snow just after washing his hands. He had washed his hands because of the blood on them. He had blood on his hands because... James couldn't help himself. He inspected his bruised and puffy knuckles. Another rock fell into his stomach as he gently flexed his fingers, staring into the purple and red blotches as the joints ached under the movement. As he studied his hands, his mind kept revisiting the same question. What do I do now? Such a simple question that completely stumped him. His memory was worse now than it was in the kitchen. The kitchen where he found his dad. The rock inside him keeps getting bigger. His father was the only one with a plan out here. He was just the dumb idiot along for the ride. His dad always had some sort of plan cooking. He'd scribble some thoughts down on a piece of paper and start evaluating what they had to use around them. James never had to worry about these kinds of things before because his dad usually handled all of this for him. Now he didn't have that luxury to just go along with whatever his dad thought up. James was on his own. And whose fault was that? A dark and guilty thought asked him. James pushed it away as his guts were already twisted into tight knots as it is. Since his dad isn't here, it would now be up to James to think his way out of this. This would be difficult to do, seeing as he can't remember most things right now. Take stock of what you've got, he could hear his dad say. James looked around the room for what he could see from the floor. The room still didn't have much in it. His backpack was no longer on the chair where he last remembered it. Gingerly craning his neck to look up onto the bed, and he didn't see his duffel bag either. Just a hoodie and a loosely made bed. His things were probably in the drawers he didn't want to use in the first place. Carefully, James leaned forward off the wall to try and get up. He must have been sitting there for a long time, because his back ached as he used his muscles. A sharp pain stabbed him from deep inside his right leg, radiating up into his hip. Getting up was proving to be harder than he anticipated. As James pushed through the mounting pain, he heard a small click followed by a low groan that he immediately recognized as the front door opening. James stopped moving and strained his ears to try and hear who's coming in. Another click and the door quietly closed again. Only the occasional floorboard creak and moan gave away the intruder's progress down the hall. They were about to pass by James's room. He carefully leaned back to the wall, as his leg was hurting too much to stay in that position. James hit the wall with his head just a bit too hard as he sat back, alerting the intruder. He held his breath as he listened for the next sound. His bedroom door must have been left ajar, because it barely made any noise as it was slowly pushed open. Only the living room clock sounding clearer gave James any clue that it was now open. James's head was just below the level of the bed and sitting right against it. He wouldn't be seen from the doorway, but if someone just walked in a little deeper, they'd easily see him. 
He couldn't hear any more sounds from the other side of the bed, but he didn't want to chance a look just yet. James was going to wait another minute before sneaking a peek until someone jumped onto the bed. James now looked up into the barrel of a handgun pointing right at him. Before he could get his hands up or say anything in his defense, it was lowered to its owner's side. You don't look so well today, spoke a woman's voice. Her tone was softer and friendlier than James expected it to be. It was also more familiar than he expected. The person standing over him had very familiar features. Wavy auburn hair was up in a bun, as dark blue eyes set in a pale oval face looked down at him. James knew this person, but couldn't remember where from. She could tell this just by looking at him. Don't remember me? She asked him in a tone that sounded like this was a bit amusing to her. She holstered her gun, hidden under her pants, and leapt down from the bed. Have you taken anything for it yet? She asked as she walked to the window. She didn't stand directly in front of it, but just to the side. She gave a quick scan of the tree line for any suspicious activity before turning back to look at James. Her amusement faded as he continued to just stare at her without answering. James? She addressed him with a more serious tone. James was transfixed by her dark blue eyes, unaware for a moment that she was even addressing him. He knew this woman from somewhere, but he couldn't place a name to the face he was looking at. Sorry, he finally found the words to answer her question. No, I haven't taken anything. Do you know how long it's been? The mystery woman followed up. She crouched down beside him and started looking intently into his eyes, studying him just like his dad used to do. Since your last dose, she explained, trying to prod the answer out of him. I don't know, James admitted sheepishly, not breaking eye contact with her. Your dad said you've been having bigger memory gaps lately. And I take it you're in a bit of pain right now, too? She assumed correctly, seeing James sitting rather rigidly on the floor beside his bed. Just a bit, James also confessed. To his surprise, this made her chuckle. Oh, just a bit, huh? She smiled as she mocked his tone. Just a bit usually means more than just a little bit with you. She stood up and started looking through his drawers to see what she could find. A moment later, she turned back to look at James sitting on the floor. She then walked back over and put her hands on his shoulders to look at him head on. Just relax and let me do the work, okay? She told him. Once he nodded, she grabbed his legs and carefully stretched them straight out while James just focused on relaxing. He was breathing heavy as she moved him around like a big, sore marionette. You're doing great, she encouraged him, noticing his heavy breathing. You ready? Mm-hmm. James nodded curtly and closed his eyes. She stepped over his legs and tucked her forearms under his armpits, squatted, and began to lift him up like a forklift. Stepping back and stabilizing him, James now stood on his feet. Now turn and sit, she said as she guided him to the edge of the bed. With a deep sigh, James was now off the ground and more comfortable on the bed. The cramped, numbing sensation was starting to subside from his butt. Thanks, James said, now finding it kind of hard to look into her face. While it was awkward being hoisted up off the ground like cargo, 
She did do it well and in a relatively pain-free way. I'm Miranda. She introduced herself in reply. James now looked at her, hearing her name. She smiled and gave a bit of a silly curtsy in response to his silent stare. I'm James. He felt compelled to introduce himself too, but immediately felt dumb for doing so when she laughed again. No, I... No, I know who you are. She clarified. This isn't the first time I've had to introduce myself to you. So, we've known each other for a while now? James asked, straining to draw up even the slightest memory of her. Yes, we go to the same school. We met through a mutual friend who also goes there. We've known each other for about four years now. Miranda gave a brief rundown while she simultaneously continued her search through James's drawers. Oh, okay. James muttered, sounding both amused and confused at re-meeting someone he's apparently known for some time now. I guess I should have started with the desk. Miranda sighed as she pulled from the desk drawer a matte gray rectangular box. She popped it open and set it on the bed beside James. James just looked down into the box to see a row of three blue plastic cylinders lined up in fitted grooves. Each one was noticeably thicker and slightly longer than an ink pen. Stamped along the side of each one were the same letters and numbers. N-E-U-R dot R-E-P-L-I dot one nine one six. James stared at them for a moment, puzzled by what these were. They too looked familiar, but couldn't place their name or where he last saw them. He pointed down at the cylinders and was about to ask. They're not EpiPens, Miranda cut across before he could get the words out. You've asked that before and they're not. She smirked as she rolled his sleeve up above his elbow. You gonna do it? James asked, his voice higher than he meant it to be. Miranda grabbed an alcohol wipe from the box and wiped in the crook of his arm. Do you remember what to do? Miranda asked, not looking up from his arm. No, James confessed quietly. Don't worry, I do. She reassured him and grabbed up one of the pens. She moved quicker than James anticipated because the pen moved to his arm, pop, and the needle was in. James didn't get a chance to say anything else as his whole body froze. Flushed with heat, James felt an electric hum coursing up and down his whole body. His hairs all felt like they were standing on end as the chemical was injected into his veins. His eyes dilated wide, letting in enough light to cause his eyes to water. What felt like a long time was just about 10 seconds and James returned to normal. This normal, however, was immediately a lot more pleasant. The pain throughout James's body was completely non-existent and tested this by raising his arms above his head and twisting his torso left to right. Don't stand up too quickly, okay? You'll be a bit dizzy for a few minutes, informed Miranda as she held the pen needle-side up and closely examined it while twisting the other end. I feel all better now, James said excitedly, now stretching his legs out in front of him. It's temporary until we get you through these three and onto the final batch. Miranda filled him in as a small flame finally burst from the needle end of the cylinder. There we go she said coolly, holding out the cylinder like a candle away from her body. Why is it burning? James wondered aloud. 
It's a custom brew of your dad's that he doesn't want left lying around, even in trace amounts, she told him. Just a drop could be lethal in the wrong person. The tiny flame flickered out in a moment, and she dropped the cylinder into the trash can by the desk. All right, I'll note the time while you get dressed and pack as quickly as you can. Miranda instructed James as she slapped the box of medication closed, scooped it up, and headed back out the door. What am I packing? James asked before she got too far. All the essentials. We're leaving here and not coming back. That's your dad's instructions. We'll be outdoors plenty, so dress warm, Miranda said over her shoulder as she left the room, closing the door behind her. James stepped out of his room, dressed more appropriate for the weather. Long black pants, brown winter boots, and a gray winter coat with a tightly packed backpack and duffel bag slung over his shoulder. Miranda? James called quietly. The house was mostly silent, with just the ticking clock on the wall filling the room. James walked into the living room and flopped his things onto the couch. He checked the dining room and saw his dad's laptop sitting on the table. Its back casing was opened, with the battery sitting to the side of it. Your dad wanted me to do that too, Miranda explained softly, startling James. He turned quickly to see her standing in the kitchen entryway. She looked at James with a pained expression on her face. He wanted you to open his computer? James questioned with concern. It's to take out the hard drive. We can't leave it behind, she explained briefly before changing the subject. James, listen, she started to say as she walked over to him. She grabbed both of his arms and gave them a bit of a squeeze as she looked him up and down for a moment, playing for some time to think. James already knew what she was going to say to him. You found my dad? James asked her in the same soft tone she was using with him. You know? Miranda raised her thick eyebrows in surprise. I found him there. Earlier this morning, explained James. It surprised him that he now choked on a tight lump in his throat, trying to say this out loud. Oh, James. Miranda pulled him into a tight hug, pinning his arms down to his side. James just stared up at the ceiling and slowed his breathing. He didn't want to look in the kitchen again. He didn't want to relive the pain he was already starting to feel again. Do you remember what happened? Miranda gently asked as she pulled out of the embrace. James' heart skipped a beat being asked this. He looked back at Miranda and carefully pulled his bruised hands behind his back. I don't, he said after a brief pause. I remember first coming here with him. Then I remember finding him in there. Like this. James was blinking back a few tears at that last part. Miranda just watched quietly as James spoke, her own eyes wide with sympathy. No, I guess you wouldn't, admitted Miranda sheepishly. She stood there in front of him for a while longer. Her hands were still firmly grasping his forearms while she watched him. So, <clears throat> James cleared his throat to end the moment. What else do we need to do before we go? He asked. Miranda looked down at the laptop parts on the table as she thought for a moment. I've taken the hard drive out. The only other instruction is to get you to keep taking your medication and get you out of here, she told him, looking back at his face. Are you ready to go? Because we won't be coming back. James thought hard for a moment. His memory was still coming up short 
leaving him with large gaps. He would usually depend on his dad for restoring them, or at the very least filling him in on the missing parts. As he strained to think of every possible thing he'd need, the dizziness began to surge. The electrical body hum began to return too, coursing up and down. It resonated the strongest and loudest in his head, as if a swarm of bees were fighting to escape. He felt his body begin to sway dangerously back and forth, growing aggressively until James fell backwards, stiff as a board. Eyes closed, James waited for the ground to rush up and hit him, but it didn't come. Instead, he kept falling until he hung upside down, as if he was suspended by his ankles. He felt as if he fell through the floor into a room below. Now James just waited for the release, where he'd fall even further. Instead, he continued to hang by his feet, perfectly rooted to the ceiling while his arms started floating upwards. After a moment of not falling, James heard a voice that forced his eyes open. You're up. Feeling better, I take it? said James Sr. enthusiastically. Though he felt upside down, James stood upright just outside his bedroom door, looking down the hall towards his father. Dr. Merrick stood in the living room with the blinding light of an August sunrise behind him coming through the large windows. It took a moment before James's eyes adjusted to see his dad against the bright light. He was wearing his old Led Zeppelin t-shirt, gray cargo shorts, and his blue and gray slippers, a common sight on a summer weekend. James felt the warmth of the sun warming his whole body. The air in the house already felt incredibly hot and stagnant, leaving him feeling sweaty. Yeah, James replied flatly, though James didn't intend to say anything. He was still in shock at seeing his dad alive and right in front of him. You heading out? His dad asked, gesturing to a pair of shoes in James' hands. Thought I'd go for a run or something, James said, again involuntarily. He didn't even feel his mouth moving when he spoke, but the voice was his, and it was coming from him. It's going to be even hotter today than yesterday, so don't be gone too long, advised his father as he gave a pained smile. Something was bothering his dad. He could tell even in his tone. It's not like I'm seeing anybody these days, other than you. James cut back at his dad. Even James was surprised by the tone he took with him. His father just looked down at his slippers and placed his hands on his hips. He couldn't seem to find the words to reply right away. I don't like being isolated either. I get how you feel, James. His dad tried reaching out, but James didn't get to hear the rest of what he said before his own voice cut across him. I don't think you entirely do, Dad. James snapped at his father. You don't think so? His dad answered quickly. No, James went on involuntarily. He could feel the heat of his anger rising in him now. See, you had time to prepare for all of this. You knew what you were doing would probably land us in hot water. You knew the guard would probably come for you one day. So you made some escape plans and kept that in your back pocket every day. I didn't. Don't act like you didn't know, James. His father snapped back. He had finally found his voice and it too was testy. You knew about the cease and desist orders right when I did, and we both agreed to keep going on this. The volunteers, Dad? That's what you told me they were. Volunteers. James was confused by his own rebuttal. What volunteers was he even talking about? Something from his father's project? 
They were volunteers, and it's not like they had any future without my work anyways, Dr. Merrick argued in his defense. That's how you justify it? Questioned James. He took a few terrifying steps forward, closer to his dad. Each foot demagnetized from the floor, sending jolts of fear through James that he'd finally fall. You were one of them, James. His father spoke quieter this time, looking straight into his son's eyes as he said this. You volunteered too, and it was an informed decision you made. I was a kid, Dad. James shot back, but with less punch than he had earlier. Something inside James knew his dad was right on that one. He did volunteer. Volunteer for what? It's not like we had an abundance of time, James, pushed his dad. Even as a kid, you knew we didn't have time to sit and wait for a better day to just come along. But what was it all for now? To live on the run? James switched up his argument to justify the anger he was still feeling inside. This isn't forever, James. We've barely been here two weeks. His father's anger was also starting to boil over as he threw his hands up in exasperation. I had plans with other people those two weeks, James complained. You don't think I did too? His dad now argued louder than James. James, this heat is on me, not on you. Oh, I'm sure they'll want to talk to me if they get the chance, muttered James. He no longer looked at his dad, but instead down at the shoes as his hands mindlessly plucked at the laces. Yeah, they will, but they don't have anything to book you on. I'm the criminal in this whole thing, remember? Smirked his dad. He was clearly trying to defuse the situation now. We still have some work to do out here before you can go home. But you will go home, James, he said to his son, now in a far calmer voice. James looked back up at his father, then passed him at the sun, now higher in the sky. Guess we'll see, James said in a final tone as he turned towards the door. James didn't want to turn and leave, though. His living father was just standing there, and he had so much he wanted to ask him. To just talk to him. There was nothing he could do, though, as this James had made up his mind to walk out the front door and close it behind him. Right at that moment, James abruptly flipped back upright at incredible speed and brought back into the dining room with Miranda, still standing right in front of him. An alert sounded throughout the house. Miranda had froze hearing it. That's a perimeter alarm, Miranda said. We're out of time. Grab your stuff. She must not have noticed anything out of the ordinary from him, because she simply moved to grab her own backpack and started walking out of the room. James close behind her. Slinging his own bag onto his back, he started walking towards the front door. But Miranda grabbed his arm again and steered it away through the living room. Why not out the front? James asked her, as his mind was still dizzy trying to process what he had just experienced. They'll be on us in seconds if we go that way, so we're taking your dad's truck. She told him as she led him through the far doorway on the opposite end of the living room. An immediate left, then right, and they opened a door to a wooden staircase descending to a lower level. With every turn they took, James again had knowledge of each room they entered. He was familiar with the creak of the old wooden door hiding the stairway, the smell of the dust as they descended into the older parts of the house. The swinging bulb on a chain, Miranda swatted his hand away from clicking on. You've been here before? James wondered aloud. No, your dad sent me the blueprints, though. This isn't even his house, yet he had the blueprints? Honestly, only your dad. 
Miranda's explanation drifted into muttering to herself as she moved quickly through the laundry room towards a back door that led outside just below the living room. Miranda spent a moment looking around out the window, wrapping her fingers on the doorframe impatiently. Okay. Okay, we're going to stay very close to the side of the house so they don't see any obvious footprints in the snow. Follow me closely and don't speak. The garage isn't far from here, she instructed over her shoulder. She didn't take her eyes off the tree line as she spoke. James was listening, but trying to process a lot at once. He just saw his dad again. I guess that was the past? Is that why I couldn't move? Wait, there's snow outside. It's not August anymore. I'm dressed warm now, but was just in shorts barely a minute ago, and it felt so incredibly real. Okay, let's go, Miranda said with a sudden tug on the door. James followed her, closing it carefully behind him. The cold chill that slapped his face was jarring from the heat he was just sweating in. He had to squint from the brilliance of the white snow everywhere. Quietly, they crunched through snow up to their ankles until they stopped at the corner of the house, where Miranda carefully peered around the corner. She looked back to wave James to follow her as she winded her way down a path that could only be seen by its old wood railing marking the way. A little ways into the trees, and a brown cedar-planked garage could be seen ahead. Miranda approached the door and pulled a pair of keys from her pocket and quickly flipped through them. The door opened, and they quickly scurried inside, closing it quietly behind them. The garage didn't have much in it. A few boxes were stacked in the corner near some dusty gardening tools hanging on hooks near a high window, which was their only source of light. Directly in front of them, though, was a black pickup truck that James immediately recognized as his dad's. He bought it specifically for getting them out here, so nobody but he, his dad, and apparently Miranda knew about it. You're driving, Miranda told him as she held the keys out. Do you think that's a good idea? Asked James in a bit of a panic. You're fine, why not? She replied as she threw her bags onto the back bench of the truck. I don't know if you know this, but that shot you gave me hasn't given me any memories back yet, he informed her, hoping she'd see his reasoning. At this point, your memories won't come back until we get you onto the next protocol, explained Miranda while peering under the tarp in the bed. Besides, your dad said that none of this has had any negative side effects on your motor functions or learned skills, so you're good to drive. James sighed and shook his head as he too opened the truck door and chucked his bags into the back. Either way, I don't know where I'm going, James added as he buckled himself into the driver's seat and started it up. According to your dad, you will know where to go. He made sure of it. Miranda buckled herself beside him. Really? How? James asked her incredulously. How the hell am I supposed to know? That's just what he said. Miranda frowned at him as she leaned over to push the button for the garage door. You just drive and I'll shoot, okay? Shoot? James didn't expect this to suddenly be so high stakes. If we go now, maybe I won't have to shoot anybody. Miranda stressed, gesturing to the opening garage door behind them. James grabbed the gear shift, but froze again as he noticed something in the garage bay right next to the truck. A large, matte gray steel crate sat in the spot next to them. The crate had three-inch holes drilled into them, but just black shadow could be seen inside. As James stared, 
the electrical hum began to return, coursing up and down his body and resonating in his head. He couldn't take his eyes off the crate. James didn't flip upside down again into another world, but instead the humming continued until it stopped immediately. At the exact moment it stopped, a red light illuminated on the side of the crate. Let's go! What are you waiting for? Miranda spurred him on. James threw it into reverse and backed out of the garage, then forward down the snow-covered driveway. Miranda kept peering into the mirror and looking back towards the house, looking for any sign of pursuers. James watched the mirror as well, but he didn't look back at the house. Instead, James kept watching the garage, his thoughts on that crate. <laughs> 